Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, we're talking with Mark Kiner about how to get the most out of your Social Security. And I thought I knew a lot about Social Security until I took Mark's class on Social Security, discovered so much more I need to learn, especially around this idea called situational Social Security. So you're gonna learn a lot more about that. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. And Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about situational Social Security. The 76 million baby boomers are out there, and they and their advisors know very little about Social Security. But they will be collecting Social Security, Jeremy, for maybe 10, 20, 30, or my, as my good friend Ethel collected for over 40 years. Yeah, it's a huge decision. And when it comes to Social Security, a lot of times people think it's a one-time decision. It's not exactly. I do generally point out that it's virtually a one-time decision for folks because that's kind of how they go about it. Uh, but before we get started on some great Social Security education, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the world of helping people sure. with their own social security and training advisors on social security yeah. education. Well, um, I am based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, in a suburb called Blue Ash. I'm a CPA. I am an inactive CPA. So that means I don't practice. I don't, don't do taxes or accounting or anything along those lines, at least not for money. If you, you get my drift, got lots of family members out there. In 2009, I thought offering social security consulting services in my accounting practice would make some sense. So I bought a few books on the topic, Jeremy, and you know not, rather than cover to cover, I ended up with more questions than answers. Social security is not an overly complicated program, but it take, takes a while to learn it. It does. And so I knew I was not the right person to offer social security uh, services in my accounting practice. So in 2009, I was at a local restaurant called the Rusty Bucket. It's kind of like a TGIF nationwide. And an attorney walked in, somebody I'd known for about 10 years. On a hunch, I went up to him and I said, Mark, his name was Mark with the K. I said, Mark, do you know anybody who can educate me about social security? Well, he looked at me square in the eyes. And he said, his uncle works for the social security administration. And his uncle's going to retire a few months later. His uncle ended up being my partner, Jim Blair. <laughs> Jim and I talked in 2009, gave Jim the grand vision of where I thought this company would go, and he flatly turned me down. We talked again in January 2010, and we went into business together. Jim worked for SSA for 35 years. He was last the manager at the Piqua, Ohio office. He took claims for 10 years during his career with SSA. So in 2010, uh, we, we've set up Premier Social Security Consulting. Our focus at that point was to help folks across the country to understand and maximize their Social Security benefits. Jeremy, in 2013, we've, we evolved into an education company when we created the National Social Security Advisor Certificate Program. After a day of intense training, advisors take our assessment. After they pass the assessment, they will earn the NSSA certificate, joining approximately 2,600 advisors that have earned our certificates since 2013. So, Jeremy, we basically do two things. 
consulting for advisors and the public across the country and educating advisors across the country. You got it. And so 10 years strong. Love the uh, anniversary yep. there. I took the NSSA course, I'd say about three or four years ago. Proud to be a lifetime member now. And that's something that uh, means at least every two years, we are learning more and more through your continuing education uh, about Social Security. And there's a phrase there that really got me. Uh, you mentioned it quite often, and that's why I want to bring it up. It's called situational Social Security. Great phrase, great alliteration. Uh, but what do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you, Jeremy, I came up with that term. No matter what my partner, Jim Blair, says, I came up with that term. Not sure why or how, but I came up with it maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. It doesn't go back to 2013 or 2010, but oh, let's say five or six or seven years ago. Anyway, what it means is this. There are 76 million baby boomers out there, and they are all in a different and unique situation. They may be single, married, surviving spouses, divorced, maybe public employees. They might have an opportunity to file that restricted application. There could be an opportunity to go back six months and get six months worth of retroactive benefits. So everybody is in a unique and different situation. So in our class, we emphasize situational Social Security because an advisor like yourself, Jeremy, could be meeting with 10 married couples. And each married couple will have a different set of options and strategies available to them. They could be close in age. They could be wide apart in age. Maybe one of the spouses was a uh, surviving spouse in the past, uh, or currently they have a deceased spouse out there. Maybe one of the spouses might have worked for the uh, government, state, local, county government. So everybody has a different situation, and advisors need to know um, what type of options and strategies that relate to every client's unique situation. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's your own unique situation that matters. And everyone seems to have an opinion. We do a lot of webinars online about Social Security. And there's a Facebook ad we do. Part of me hates it. Part of me loves it. The part that loves it is because it gets so many people thinking because everyone has such a huge impassionate thought about what you should do with Social Security. And the ad just says, should you file for Social Security at 62 or 70? Which clearly is not the only options. Oh. But a lot of times people almost view that as the two options and it gets the discussion going. And it's just amazing to me. What I love about it is there's hundreds of people that comment every time and I get to see exactly what kind of, a, I don't know, regular Americans is the right word, but I kind of see the, the vast gamut of here's what people are thinking uh, with social security. Uh, so with that, my question to you is what are people most often missing when they think about social security? The family unit is what they're missing. I mean, your Facebook ad says, do you want to file at 62? Do you want to wait to age 70? Well, those are definitely a couple of options, no doubt. But it's the family unit that we focus on. Uh, when Jim Blair does a consultation for married couples, or anybody, of course, we look at the family unit. Of course, for a single person, the family unit is one person for the most part. But for a married couple, it's going to be the two of them, husband and wife. Maybe we need to look at uh, some children. Kids under the age of 18 slash 19 are eligible for benefits if a parent is receiving a benefit or if a parent is deceased. So what people are missing is that we look at benefits for a family unit. So if we have a husband and wife, 
and let's say they're both eligible for Social Security benefits. Many times we'll tell the wife to take hers early, maybe as early as age 62. Sure, she'll take a haircut, but that might give the husband the opportunity to wait until his full retirement age or as late as age 70 to claim his. And one little kicker here, if he was born by that magic birthday of 1154, he could file that restricted application, collect the benefit off his wife while his own benefits grow earning delayed retirement credits. So what people are missing is that we look at benefits for a family, a family unit. If a husband takes early, that reduction may, may impact surviving spouse benefits when he's gone fishing for the final time. If he takes benefits later, as late as age 70, that increase will affect his life and may also increase the benefits to a surviving spouse when he's gone. So situational social security means we look at benefits for the family unit as a whole. Yes. And of course you did use genders when it comes into that. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate doing that because that is still kind of majority of the times when you talk to a married couple where the husband's older, the husband did have a higher social security benefit amount, which does mean then that the younger female is the one that's likely to become the widow. And I think what happens a lot of times is I'm not there yet. Uh, I remember I'm like halfway there. So I'm 42. I remember when I was 20, I thought I'd live forever. Young. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 20, I I thought I'd live forever, right? And apparently guys when they turn 60, they think they're dying next week. That's mm -hmm. just that's my observation. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I, I'll figure it out when I get there. I don't but, think I'm 67, Jeremy. Excellent. I don't think I'm dying next week. All right. Uh, good. Well, you, you've spent more time in the social security world yeah. and probably running longevity yeah. calculators of how long people might yeah. might live. Right. But I talk to people all the time and they're six-year-old guys and they say, I'm not going to make it that long for whatever reason. That's probably incorrect. Uh, mm -hmm. And but so because of that, I'm taking Social Security, and you're right on. They ought to be thinking about the family unit, yeah. whatever that situation so, uh, might be. So, so Jeremy, let me tell you about my situation. I'm 67. Turned 67 um, 11 days ago, hey, hey. <laughs> February 13th, and I'm single. So nobody's going to clock off me when I'm gone. So I decided to begin my benefits at my full retirement age. I was born in 1956. My full retirement age is 66 and four months, June of 2022. So I began my benefits in June of last year. And I'm really happy with my decision. I didn't have to, but life is not guaranteed. We'd all know that. And so why should I wait to age 70? Sure, my benefit would have gone up quite a bit, 8% more per year uh, for every year I wait or I delay, but life isn't guaranteed. I, I can I use the money for estimated tax payments. I use the money to pay off some loans. I use my benefits uh, to pay some of my bills uh, and to invest. And so in my mind, and everyone out there may disagree with me because everybody can, in my mind, it made sense for me as a single person to claim benefits at my full retirement age. So Jeremy, I have a question for you. You got it. What day am I really excited to get out of bed each month? What day? Oh, let's you know, see. It's, it's not so a specific I... date, but yep. it's a specific, specific day. That's a fun question. So you were born uh, between the 11th and the 20th, which means the it's the third Wednesday. Yeah, the mm -hmm. third Wednesday of every month. You're very happy because Social Security shows up right into your your bank account. You, you got it, Jeremy. See, you learned that from our class. Or maybe I did. From reading. Either way, it doesn't matter. But advisors need to know that. that when they're meeting with the clients, 
they should be able to tell the client, expect your benefit on this Wednesday. So every when, third Wednesday of every month, Jeremy, I get out of bed, I check my fifth third bank account. And I see uh, a couple thousand dollars more in there each month yeah, than the previous day. So, right. you know, it's guaranteed money. I'm a very big proponent of guaranteed income. I don't have any annuities, I'll be honest with you there. However, I do have a couple sources of guaranteed income. One is social security benefits. So every month for the rest of my life, I will receive X number of dollars the third Wednesday of each month. The government, the the program is not going to go away. A lot of people feel that social security, the trust fund, it's in trouble. It's true. It is in trouble. Almost $3 trillion in the trust fund, Jeremy. But that is going down on a monthly basis. By 2033, 2035, kind of in that range, that trust fund will be gone doesn't mean social security is broke it's not it brings in over a trillion dollars a year in fica taxes that trillion dollars a year will be used to pay benefits and also to pay for the upkeep of the program so i hear from people on tv congressmen or or news people that when that trust fund is gone the system will be insolvent i don't get that it's not insolvent trust fund's gone i get that i understand that completely but money's still coming in. It's true. Folks will probably see a haircut at that point if nothing is done to make the system more solvent, 20% or so. I don't expect it's going to happen that way. I expect Congress sometime down the road, Jeremy, you say you're 42. So yeah. when you're 52, <laughs> changes will be made. Increase mm-hmm. full retirement age to 70 maybe. Uh, increase the amount of uh, wages subject to FICA taxes. There are only two ways to make the system more solvent, isn't there? Increased taxes is one, reducing benefits is two. Both of those will be done within the next 10 years. But the system is not insolvent. There's always money coming in, and that money coming in. So keep working, keep paying your FICA taxes, Jeremy, because I'm using that money to pay my benefits, okay? So continue to pay your FICA taxes. Don't take a year off. Okay, I need that money. You got it. Well, but it's people, not insolvent. Uh, yeah, and people hear the word bankrupt. They'll use, insolvent's probably the best word to get close to describing it, uh, but that's not an everyday word. So people usually say, oh, Social Security is going bankrupt. And they think of bankrupt like you go to court because you have nothing. Like everything's wiped out, you have nothing. And that's not the case. There is yeah. not nothing. Yes, there is a projected 25% decrease of some something happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you make a decision on your Social Security and you think it's going to zero in 10 years, you're probably gonna have a different outcome than if you dealt with reality. And reality is that there's a 25% haircut. There's gonna be some change. It's not going to zero. And speaking of reality, which is interesting, I love how you pointed out just the value and joy of getting a guaranteed monthly income. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some studies, I, I can't think of them particularly, but I've seen them. I know I've seen them where people who have a guaranteed monthly income live longer, they're happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's so interesting when I'm going through and helping people make their social security decision, oftentimes the computer is just going to say wait, right? They might just say the computer usually says the default is wait, the max you can wait is age 70. And I look at it and say, well, what if you went at 67 or 68 or 69 or 70? You've got to make that choice that yes, the computer thinks you can get a dollar more by waiting that one year. But you know, what are the probabilities? What's your 
you know, point of where, where that comes in there. And it's interesting how that, that first year waiting from 67 to 68 usually is going to be a better deal than the last year waiting from 69 to 70. And what I've seen when the math is pointed towards waiting, where as much as we show somebody, you can wait, you're better off waiting, draw out your money from other sources. They just don't draw out the money from other sources. Mm -hmm. They say, well, yes, we'll wait a year. And then they didn't take that vacation. They didn't take the money out that we saw that they could afford to take from other areas. So that's a bit where I'm struggling on the math because I'm a big math guy versus the reality of human behavior. And human behavior says that if you're not getting the guaranteed monthly income, you're not happy about it. Uh, and you're not doing the things that you could maybe do when you're younger because you're almost waiting for the later. So I, there's this uh, kind of big left and right, up and down I'm trying to get to with people of, yes, the math might say do this, but how are you going to behave if you're not getting that social security? How are you going to feel when you do get the social security? Mm, and there is good. a bit of a, yeah, you see, you, you feel good getting the social security. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, you're t talking a lot about situational social security. Yeah. You talked about your own situation, which I think is great and transparent that you, you do that. And you also highly point out, this is what you felt was best for you. And you're giving other advice. I'm assuming not every single person you talk to, uh, you're saying take it full retirement age. I'm assuming. Oh no, that, not at all. Yeah, yeah. But for me, exactly I'm it. single. Yeah, and it Nobody's works. Nobody's going to collect off me. It works really well for me. Their earnings test went away in right. June of 2022 for me, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. So I can make as much as possible, <laughs> and I hope not you are. have yeah, and not have that impact my Social Security benefits. Uh, not be reduced due due to the earnings test. Jeremy, I, I could talk to, let's say, 10 single people. Well, maybe half might collect at uh, age 70. Mm -hmm. Half might collect at at their full retirement age. Maybe yeah. some might collect at age 62 because there's still some validity, validity there too, Jeremy. You collect at 62. Sure, it's reduced, no doubt, and I get that. Uh, and the earnings test does apply at age 62. But then you can take the money in investment and invest it. I'm not a financial guy, so I, I, I'm i not able to really tell you is it better to take a 62 and invest it than wait until full retirement age. I can't really tell you that. I just knew in my situation, I had already made this decision probably five years prior because I've been teaching this class since 2010. So I had a pretty good idea since 2013, I should say. So I had a pretty had a good lot of time idea. to think about it. Yeah, a lot of time to think about it. It really just made sense. But when I'm 100 years old, I'm going to go into Jim's office. Jim is older than I am by about uh, five or six years. So I'll, I'll hunt Jim down in that nursing community. And I'll tell Jim, oh, I wish I had waited until age 70 to collect my benefits. Okay. <laughs> and yep. I'll, I'll stamp down my cane or my walker when I say that. You got it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that Jim worked at the Social Security Administration. I love how he worked there 35 years because that's... Mm -hmm. What a better amount of time to work at Social Security because it is the top 35 years hmm. of earning that goes into your Social Security. Uh, you often say, don't take advice from Social Security Administration. Why is that? These nice smiling faces, the local office, Jeremy, or when you call them on the phone, they basically just want to take your application and be done with it. They're not there to give you advice. They're not give, there to give you guidance. Uh, uh, several years ago, the commissioner in Baltimore told representatives in the offices not to review options with people. And, and not only that, Jim Blair worked there for 35 years. And since he left, 20,000 people have left with him over time. 
These are people that had 30, 35 years experience. So if you go down there and you say, hey, I've heard about this restricted application. Can I use it? They're going to look at you like a deer looks into headlights. Also, they get bad advice. They get bad information. They give you wrong answers to questions. We hear this all the time. And so they just don't have the knowledge. They don't have the education to give you guidance. They don't have the permission to do so. Plus, we hear so many horror stories. Let me put it to you this way. From from people who have talked to Social Security, Jeremy, and have gotten really bad information from them. And they come to us. So, you know, I get a phone call from a, a prospect. And the prospect uh, starts to ask me some questions. And I answer as much as I can. But I can't answer a whole lot without some type of uh, engagement with them. Right. And I said, well, and I said, when I go for kind of what our fee structure is, then they said, well, I guess I can just go down Social Security. And I just laugh. Sure, you go down there, but what type of advice and information, quality information, quality advice are you going to get? You can't rely on the folks at Social Security. They're doing the best they can, but they don't have 30 years experience like Jim did. They have not taken our class. They would, they'll take your application, Jeremy, but that's kind of it. Well, that's what their job is. Their job is kind not of. to give advice. Yeah. On yeah. There. Uh, we had Dr. Larry Kotlikoff on our show earlier, and he's okay. big on especially uh, how Social Security Administration either rules or actions harm widows, where oftentimes if you're a widow and you walk in and you're 62, oftentimes the best thing is to take your survivor benefit okay. and then wait on your own until mm -hmm. 67 or perhaps yeah. 70. And you might have walked in thinking you were doing that, and yet the Social Security Administration person didn't file for you that way. That's one mm -hmm. thing that blew my mind a few years back where we had gone in and applied online with a client, and then he gets the letter and looked completely different than what we had applied yeah. for. And so we call them up and they say, well, uh, you wanted this thing and that's how it was filed. And so you have to request an appeal. And we say, what are you talking about? That is not what we wanted. We have the printed off and we have the PDF of the application that he did online. And they said, let me stop right there. What you do online is not an application. You just are giving us the information for what you want, but that was not your application. So we ended up, I went in with this client to the local office. They took us to the back and they showed us that when you go in and online, now this is about five or six years ago, I hope it's changed. But when you go online and say, this is my application, they would print off that information on a dot matrix printer, like from 1995. Mm -hmm. okay. And they would turn to the right and they would enter in that information uh, into another computer system. Oh. That's how it was happening. And if they entered it in wrong, or if they looked at it and said, well, I'm going to do it a different way, which is actually what seemed to have happened, where the person had applied for the file restricted that you talked about, which is basically going away at the end of 2023, really. But this is in the time where you could really do that a lot, the yeah. file restricted method. And, and so claim it's suspend. Right. Yes. And so the the whoever had plugged it in, typed it in uh, in the office, looked at what the client put down there and then just entered in differently because why would anybody want a lower benefit? And so he just gave them the higher benefit. So mm -hmm. this client had to make up for the Social Security Administrator's, uh, I don't know if it's mistake or uh, what the situation or why the person uh, did that way. But uh, it's amazing how even applying a line is not an application. What the yeah. administrator person plugs in is your your application. Yeah. You know, I can't really answer that question because I didn't, you know, I don't have that information. Jim Blair would kind of do a better job, but... But I could not imagine that somebody would print out the application today 
And and it re-enter that information. I kind of think once you put it into your online account and you apply, yeah, I think it's pretty 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 much pretty pretty much done. However, though, there have been mistakes made. Somebody wanted to file a restricted application and clocked off their spouse. They did it all right, but yet Social Security uh, put that in as if they wanted to collect their own benefits. Mm-hmm. So it just mistakes still do happen, Jeremy. I do know that. Yep. I'll tell you, it's been about five or six years since I have seen a mistake. That was one then. And then when they got rid of the file suspend, I tell you the first three we did right there, which is what, October 2015 or so. It's been a few years. The first three we did, all mistakes. Um, we did it correctly. We've got mm-hmm. the PDF to prove it, but yes. it came out uh, came out differently. I'll tell you, since then, I haven't seen one mistake. So whatever's good. going on now is, well, is good stuff. We've seen, we've seen a few, but I'm glad you haven't seen any. That makes yeah. me feel good. Well, we've talked a little bit about kind of uh, horror stories and people missing out, almost a little bit of a negativity. Let's get to some positivity here. What should people really be trying to maximize when they file for Social Security? This is a lifetime benefit, Jeremy. We all know that. You could be receiving benefits for 10, 20, 30, or 40 years. My dad was collecting benefits for 27 years before he passed away in 2020. My good friend Ethel, passed away two weeks before she turned the age of 108. Mm. And so she received benefits for about 40 years, maybe a little longer. So folks need to know that once you make your decision on Social Security, it's basically a done deal. Not quite, but basically it is. And you could be receiving, you're going to receive these benefits for as long as you're alive. That's a good thing about it. Social Security will never call you up and say, Mr. or Mrs. Jones, your account is down to zero. And it benefits stop next month. So you need to make a wise decision early on. And always please consider the opportunity to maximize a surviving spouse benefit. If the husband waits age 70, he'll leave more money to his wife as a surviving spouse generally. And so he should consider waiting to age 70. However, though, in reality, about 5 to 6% of folks actually wait to age 70. Now, that might be of, of, of the average out there, uh, clients of investment advisors like yourself, maybe they live a bit longer than that. Uh, maybe more of them should wait to age 70 because they're going to live a little longer than maybe an average person might. But only about 5 or 6% of, of, of the average uh, social security recipient will actually, actually wait to age 70. A lot of people think it's more than 5 or 6%, but it's not a very high figure. More likely, Jeremy is going to be kind of age 68 maybe. And if you wait beyond full retirement age, those delayed retirement credits will, will last the rest of your life. And that's that's cool. And being able to collect off of an ex-spouse, that's super stuff going on. <laughs> so, so you know, if you've got an ex-spouse out there that was married to their ex for 10 years, divorced for less than two years, their ex must be collecting a benefit to receive a benefit off that person's work record. Now, if they've been divorced for two years or longer, that requirement goes away. So let's say I have an ex-wife and we've been divorced for one year. I need to be receiving my benefit for her to collect off me. Now let's assume that we've been divorced for at least two years. She can collect off me even even if I'm not collecting a social security benefit. And so uh, the key though, uh, we have to be married for at least 10 years. She must be single. When she gets remarried, she can't collect off my work record. And if you have more than one ex-spouse out there, Jeremy, you might have an option to to file off one today. And then two years later, you can switch to benefits off another ex-spouse and get more money. 
And what yeah. if you've got more than one deceased spouse out there? You might have an opportunity to draw off of one deceased spouse today and switch to another one down the road. So uh, people do need to give strong consideration to their unique and situation and situational social security opportunities that are available to them. Yeah, it's uh, you've brought up uh, quite a few different situations that you might be thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Well, you've talked to probably thousands of people about social security. I've talked personally to hundreds and helped them make the decision, probably thousands when you include the, the webinars. Okay. And just the idea of there's so many different situations. I love why you call it situational social security. And you've also really brought up you know, family unit and it's your deceased spouse, your ex-spouse, all these things can go into play. I tell people all the time, I'm not your therapist, but I will ask you about your past relationships because mm -hmm. they matter. You, there's money that could be sitting there uh, because mm -hmm. of that. Uh, one other thing we tell okay. people and tell me what you think of this one, but a lot of times people are trying to get the most out of social security, which you really should uh, try to get the most out of social security, but they often look at it as in, you know, when do I break even? What if I invest it? Things like that. I say the easiest way to decide how to approach Social Security is just look at the name, Old Age Survivor Disability Insurance. It is insurance. It's not an investment. And it's built for old age survivor disability. If you're trying to get the most in case you have old age or in case you have a survivor or in case you have a disability, that's the way uh, to approach it. Tell me what you think of that. I, you are exactly right. I think when Social Security came around in 1935, it was expected that not many people would, would be able to collect because not many people lived until age 65 back in 1935. Today, though, it's the norm. I'm 67. So I, I expect Social Security to grow old with me. There's no no doubt about it. It is it is old age. I hate, you know, old age. I mean, what's old age nowadays? Is it, <laughs> is right. it my age 67? I don't think so. Uh, years ago, yeah, but not, not today. My partner, Jim, is 72. He's older than I am. Oops, sorry. I didn't mean to say that so loud. <laughs> but he'll say that all the time. So uh, it's going to be with me and Jim for as long as we live. And once Jim is gone, his wife, Pat, will receive a, a little more because of his Social Security benefits. But yeah. it is old age and survivor benefits. That's what it's called. Good. Well, I've got one more question for you, Mark. Before we get to there, tell us what's the best way for people to reach out to you. Excellent. Thank you. Well, first of all, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's one way. So go to their LinkedIn profile, send me a connection request. That's Mark with a C, Kiner, K-I-N-E-R. They can give me a buzz. My direct hotline is 513-218-8505. And my email, mkiner, K-I-N-E-R, at mypremierplan.com. And if you're ever in Cincinnati, Ohio, look me up somehow and just come to my house in Blue Ash, a suburb of Cincinnati. Oh, that's fun. Good. Well, uh, Mark, we've got one more question for you. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is rated clean. Karaoke. I sing right. karaoke all the time with my girlfriend. <laughs> she She's much better at it than I am. You know, she's got, I, I always think Apple has like 20,000 songs in it. Apple Music. Mm -hmm. Well, Gail, my partner, she's got 20,000 songs that she can sing. And believe me, she sings them well. Oh, I great. don't. I try. <laughs> I've only been singing for about three, four months. She's been singing for 50 years. <laughs> well, you're having fun with it. That's great. Yeah, we do. I appreciate you asking, Jeremy. 
Yeah. And thanks for coming on the show, Mark. You've helped us a ton just understanding that your own social security situation is what matters the most. You can't go on hearsay. You can't go really on the rules of thumb. You got to focus on your own situational social security. Thanks, Mark, for sharing that with us. You're welcome. And you can't go out by what people tell you at these cocktail parties or tailgate football parties. What's good for somebody else is not going to be good for you. That's right on. Good. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning.